Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. everyone, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast. She's also my partner in life and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Sean, it's great to be back at the kitchen table. It's great to be with you. Yeah, we have a great podcast today. We're going to have a conversation with Gordon Chang about uh, Chinese migrants coming across the southern border. What does it mean for American security, American safety? Uh, many of these, um, some are families, but many are military-aged men. The majority are, are military-aged men. 37,000 um, in, in the last year alone. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that with Gordon. But before we do that, uh, the big news of the week is that finally, the Senate has dropped its immigration bill. And uh, before the bill came out, there was a lot of uh, pushback with the provisions from conservatives, at least. It said, listen, this is going to be a proposal that's not going to actually secure the border. And the text is now out. And we actually see that it is a bill that's going to manage migration, but not actually secure the border. Um, and it's again, it's frustrating that we see Republicans so weakly negotiating a, a bill that doesn't make things uh, better at the border actually potentially can hinder a future president. Say Donald Trump wins in, in this next election, his ability to secure the border using the, uh, uh, the, the laws that he used in 2017, 2018, 2019, it'll all be rewritten and he won't be able to do it. So basically what you're saying is this bill would tie Donald, if Donald Trump won in 2024, it would, hint, it would tie his hands and not allow him to do the kinds of measures that he did that were so effective um, when he was president before. I think the reason, Sean, is that the purpose of this bill was not to secure the border. That's the name they gave it. But (laughs) this bill is a pro-war, pro-Ukraine, and also thrown in there, cheap labor bill um, for good measure for corporate America to get them on board. Um, but this is a pro-war bill. It's about funding for Iran, um, uh, for Ukraine and funding for Israel. And then they had to throw in this border stuff. And of course it's not going to do anything to to, to that point. Republicans were like, listen, we're not going to give money for other people's borders when we can't secure our own. So so Republicans to be graphic, we're using, um, war funding for, Ukraine and Israel hostage to secure our border. And what this bill does is is gives the money uh, to Ukraine and to Israel 
and does not secure our border, I think would make it less safe. So let's talk about a couple of the provisions in the Senate bill. Uh, one is on NGOs. Do you have a view on NGOs and their role at this border crisis? It's shameful what they're doing, actually. They're making a lot of money. So um, many of the NGOs, the biggest NGOs, um, are as such. Uh, so we fund NGOs through the N UN. So if you are coming through the Darien Straits, through Panama, um, through Central America, you will encounter tons of uh, several key uh, non-governmental organizations, NGOs, uh, that have been funded by the UN that will give you maps, that will provide you with housing and shelter. Um, and these, of course, we're the number one funder of the UN. So you're paying for that. Um, then when you when they get to the border, we don't have enough law enforcement to vet all of these um, people that are coming through. And they're doing a very poor job of vetting them, as you can see from the guys that just beat up the cop in New York City right, and kicked right. him in the head. Um, so and those are clearly gangsters from uh, a gang in a, a very, very dangerous, violent gang in Venezuela. So they're not vetting them. And and you and and you just mentioned the the Chinese that are coming through as well. So we are paying them to vet them there. Then we're also paying them uh, to house them, and we're paying NGOs to also provide the transportation and be travel agents for all of the um, the uh, the illegal immigrants that are coming through our border. What what's truly shameful is that. The big, some of the biggest, two of the biggest NGOs are the Catholic Church yeah. and the Lutheran Church. And one of the things that has ha keeps me up at night and makes me sick to my stomach is the increase, the absolute explosion of sex trafficking, including child sex trafficking, because of the open border. And the information that we know about sex trafficking and the fact that we lost, we have lost track of almost 100,000 children who have come unaccompanied across our border, that information about the sex trafficking, about the children lost, has not been forthcoming from the NGOs who know all about this. They have, there have been whistleblowers. So you have the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church taking money, not whistleblowing, not informing the public about how this policy is hurting children, putting them in sex slavery and into child labor practices here in the United States. They're covering it up. They're treating their facilities for unaccompanied minors like prisons that even our congressmen are not allowed to go into. So we don't know what happened to these children along the along the the, the journey. And I think it's just it's just too much, Sean, so, that we're funding this. Right. So you, they're funded by the NGOs are funded by the U.N., but also by the U.S. government. But we fund and, the U.N. Right. And we fund the U.N. as well. So uh, they basically operate as air traffic controllers in Central and South America helping uh, with, as you mentioned, maps for migrants to get up to the U.S., but also they'll give food stations, shelter stations to the migrants to assist them in their journey. So they're facilitating illegal migration to this country. And then once they get into the country, they get money from the government to assist in whether it's housing, transportation, feeding the migrants. It's a problem. Another NGO that's getting money I want to mention is the Red Cross. So uh, to go further, um, the NGOs in this bill, along with sanctuary cities, which, by the way, a sanctuary city is is a magnet for illegal migration, 
But if I can go to a sanctuary city and I, I'm not never going to be turned over to ICE because they're sanctuary, uh, local law enforcement or the state will not cooperate with ICE, so they won't be deported. But they also get free food. Uh, they get free housing. They get laundry services. They get a cash card in the form of a credit card. All these Could things are magnets. Mm-hmm. So in this bill, there's $7 billion for NGOs and sanctuary cities. That doesn't make the problem better. It's going to make the problem worse. It's going to be putting more money into the magnets that draw people into the country and facilitate their transition from Central and South America to our southern border. Um, How Republicans could have ever agreed to this, I have no clue, but they did. Seven Sean, I talked to two colleagues, former colleagues of yours in the House, Kat Kamak and Congressman Andy Biggs in Arizona, and we talked specifically about NGOs. And they are so outraged at the amount of money being made by these organizations. Their complicity in what is happening here um, is just astounding. And they know what's going on. And we're going to have them on the podcast specifically to talk about more on the NGOs, because this is a piece of the puzzle uh, of the corruption that exists, you know, with, oh. within the NGOs. So again, I, I don't. If you want actually a, a really good uh, layout of of the immigration bill and why you should be concerned about it, the Heritage Foundation uh, has a, a, a document they put out on the bill. It's called the Senate Border Bill is a disaster for border security. They lay out a, a, a few of these points, um, but this also incentivizes catch and release. Yeah. Right. So. You get caught, they release you, and they'll give you a hearing date, whether it's five, eight, ten years down the road. Um, which, by the way, when that happens, Rachel, you'll know, and they, this happened when I was in Congress, they'll come to the Hill and go, they built a life here, they have kids here, they have a spouse here. You can't deport them. These are good people who are now American citizens. That's what they're going to do um, because they've caught, released, and gave them a hearing date years down the road. They're going to give work permits to asylum seekers so those workers can come in and underbid American workers driving down wages for low-income workers in America at a time with inflation. They need more wages, higher wages. And, you know, as we, as we look at this, this is, very, this, this is not very complicated. No. Right? You have to do a couple things. Um, one, you have to build a border wall, right? That's the first. But the second is, if you have what, what Trump called remain in Mexico, if we codify that and say, listen, when you come to the country or when you leave your country and you're going to seek asylum here, you have to get to the first safe country. Mm-hmm. And when you get to a safe country, Mexico or Canada, you can apply for asylum. But you just can't come into our country and stay here for 10 years. Mm-hmm. All the while seeking asylum, you have to stay in a different country and ask us for permission to come in. And if you do that, no one's going to 10 years in Mexico or 10 years in Which Canada. Which is why, Sean, They Donald want to get into Trump- America right away. So if you change that law, you're going to take away the incentive for people to come to our border. And it doesn't do that. But that's why Donald Trump, immediately when this came out, and, and uh, Jack Posobiec had a great tweet. He said, because Donald, Donald Trump immediately reacted. He's like, you don't need money to secure the border. You just put in, remain in Mexico. And, 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 you, and, and he had a couple other policies. There's no, you could spend zero money and fix almost the entire problem. And so once he said, and he said to the Republicans, do not sign this bill. Do not tie my hands in case I get elected. When I get elected, I'll fix this. But if you sign this bill, I won't be able to. He put that tweet immediately out. And then Jack Posobiec said that essentially 
This was like walking this bill out into the middle of the street and shooting it in the head. This dead, this not only is this bill dead, Sean, this is a huge blow to the career and reputation of somebody that both you and I think is, is a very nice person, which is Senator Linkford. Uh, and I think that Mitch McConnell put, put this man up to it. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Linkford liked a few of the provisions. I don't know. He seems to be like, he seems like a nice guy who likes to pretend that he's the adult in the room all the time. I'm going to say that. Um, but why he allowed himself to be the face of this and didn't give the crap bag to Mitch McConnell to carry, I don't know. Maybe Mitch knew that if he carried that crap bag of a bill, that we'd be onto it right away. I do think a lot of people gave some, a little bit of credibility, a little bit of a benefit of the doubt to Langford. But once we saw what, what this was, once the Heritage Foundation and other places broke it down, once Donald Trump put that tweet out, this thing was over and everybody associated with it looks like a sellout and somebody who cares more about Israel and Ukraine than they do about our own country. So here, End I, of story. I, so I served with James Langford in the House. I like James. I'd consider him a friend. Um, but here's what's frustrated me. Not So the bill has frustrated me. But not only that, when he's been trying to sell the bill, he's come out and in essence said, You've been asking for a border security bill. You've got a border security bill. You're just not doing this because it's an election season and you don't really want to secure the border. In essence, that's been his messaging. And the problem is that's not true. Actually, this is so bad at the southern border. Republicans want to secure the border. The problem is the James Lankford bill is a bad bill. It doesn't mm -hmm. secure the border. Again, it facilitates illegal migration and assimilation into our country but never secures the border. And to try to blame it on Republicans playing politics from from Langford is, I think, um, a disgraceful argument. But well, it's me, a talking point that you're giving to the Democrats to at a right. time when the Democrats have done everything to create this problem, to undermine states trying to fix the problem, to smear American citizens whose who children have been murdered by some of these illegals that have come in and tell them that they're racist. Anybody who has tried to bring the border problem, the open border policies to attention, they have attacked. And now Langford and McConnell and everybody else um, associated with this bill has just handed a talking point over to the Democrats to say, see, we had this bill and you didn't want to sign it because you want to wait for Donald Trump and you don't care about America. When we all know this was a pro-Ukraine bill, this is a pro-Israel bill, this was a pro-war bill. So the bill doesn't crisply and cleanly lay out immigration policy. It gives a lot of discretion. So it, 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 would, it would lock Donald's, Donald Trump's hands in some ways, but it also gives the president a lot of discretion. It so funds more processing. Joe Biden, who, to your point, Rachel, has been suing states that are trying to secure the border. Um, he's actually having Border Patrol come in and cut the fencing that Texas is putting, is putting up to secure their border. There, you have to rely on the goodwill of Joe Biden under this bill to now go secure the border is outrageous because he never is. He's not going to do it. But let me I want to make another point here, because um, the people that have put this bill together in the Senate Republican Party, these are the very same people who negotiated a trillion dollar omnibus spending bill in December when Nancy Pelosi was the Speaker of the House right before Republicans took over and Kevin McCarthy was going to become the speaker. Kevin McCarthy in the House 
would have been able to put conservative fingerprints on that spending. Mitch McConnell and these Republicans said, no, we don't want to work with Republicans in the House. Mm -hmm. We want to work with Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden. These are the same people that put this bill together and we're supposed to trust them. Not at all. Second point on this is when you have um, a big bill that's going to change the policy on immigration and it's a national issue, the number one uh, polled issue in the country is the border and immigration. What you do is you go, well, who are the players? Well, it's the House, it's the Senate, and it's the White House. The three of them sit in a room, or the negotiators or their staff sit in a room, and they negotiate a deal from both chambers in the White House. In this deal, they cut the House out. So you only had the Senate and the White House negotiate a bill that House Republicans weren't part of. Well, if you want the House Republicans to actually vote for your immigration bill, make them part of the conversation. Make them part of the negotiation. They were cut out and they're given this pile of crap of a bill. And now they say you need to vote for it because it's bipartisan. Because I know I think they knew that the House wasn't going to vote on it. No, no, I think I think what they wanted was the talking point. They wanted to say, see, just before the election, if you criticize me on the border, if you're a Democrat and you get criticized on the border, you would have this talking point to say, we tried to negotiate with the Republicans and we we negotiated with the senators. But the House, they're so radical and they're MAGA and they're this and they're that. And that's why we couldn't get it done, because they don't want to change the policies. The the Democrats don't want to change the policies because it helps them electorally. They think these people are going to be voters in the future. And the Republicans who who worked with them in the Senate, Sean, these are stooges and 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 allies of corporate America who want cheap labor. Um, So the and then over all of this are a bunch of lobbyists who want money for Ukraine and, you know, defense contract, uh, you know, people who want money for Ukraine, money for Israel, because it's all war and, and profits for them. So the reason I don't think Republicans were included in the conversation is because in the House, I should say, Republicans in the House were not included because they would have accepted nothing less than border security. Clear, crisp principles that secure the American border. Well, Joe Biden doesn't want that. We've seen that from the lawsuits and the cutting of fences and um, the, 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 uh, the massive paroling of migrants into the country. Um, so to get a bill done, they had to exclude Republicans in the House. And to your point, I think you're right. They just wanted a talking point. They don't they don't want a bill that truly secures the border, which is why many of the more outspoken um, communists in the Democrat Party elected in the Senate, uh, they've come out in opposition. Now, the left the left wingers in the Senate Democrat Party who are up for election this year, they're not speaking out against this bill. They know that their uh, their constituents want some kind of border security uh, to make them feel more safe and secure. Let's take a break now and come back with Gordon Chang, who's going to talk about why we have thousands of military age men, uh, Chinese men coming across our border, what that means for you, what their plans are here and what he thinks is happening. Since the 1970s, working-class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80% of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5,000%. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. 
While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Welcome back to the podcast. We're going to have Gordon Chang join us now. Gordon Chang, as you know, is the author of China is Going to War and many other books about China. Whenever we have a question about what's going on in China, we love to call Gordon because he always knows what's going on. Uh, Gordon, welcome to From the Kitchen Table. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. So we have Sean and I have been talking um, so much lately about what is going on at the border and the China connection. So we know that 50 times more Chinese have been entering our southern border, but we're getting more information because a lot there's a lot more people now, like citizen journalists saying, I'm going to take this journey you know, across the Darien Gap, up through Central America and, you know, Mexico up to the United States. And they all have crazy stories to say about what they encountered as far as Chinese citizens, that they seem different than the other economic refugees, that they seem more well-funded, a lot more, um, uh, in some cases, they've described them as hostile, not willing to engage in conversation. And they also, as I said, are staying at separate locations because they just have more money. They're they're not escaping in in the the sort of typical way that we see, um, you know, refugees with very little cash coming coming up through the southern border. What do you know? Why are who's funding them, and why are they coming here? Really important questions. Um, the citizen journalists you have Michael Yawn and the Rubin brothers of Muckraker.com, and they have been uh, the ones who have been alerting the world to this. What they are seeing is basically a change in the composition of the Chinese who are coming into our country. So if we go back two years or so ago, um, we saw family groups and they were well-funded because they were rich, they're middle class, which showed basically that they had given up on China. And that's a desperation that we see today. But over the last year, um, there has been a change, as I mentioned. Um, we're seeing packs of single males, um, groups of five to 15, of military age, pretending not to speak English, 
And U.S. Border Patrol actually knows that some of them have links to the Chinese military. But the story gets worse because we saw a week ago um, these images of Chinese migrants who had been in the country for maybe about three weeks up in Idaho or someplace um, on a target, uh, taking target practice with AR-15s. So <laughs> that is something that's a warning. Got to remember that China is creating this infrastructure to attack the United States from the United States. We're not speculating. We know about that secret Chinese biological weapons facility in Reedley, California, the one that had at least 20 pathogens, including the pathogen for Ebola, and almost a thousand mice that have been genetically engineered to spread disease. That's unbelievable. Um, Gordon, just wondering how China actually works. Um, so I, again, as Rachel mentioned, we've had this 50 time increase, uh, 50, uh, 50, uh, 50%, not 50%. A 50-fold increase in migration from China, 37,000 um, in the recent year Chinese have come across the southern border. Uh, it, it appears that they're oftentimes flying into Ecuador where they don't need to have um, a visa from China. And either they're going up you know, on the land version, uh, land trip, or they're flying to Tijuana and coming across the southern border. But my question for you is, in China, if you're just like, hey, listen, I'm going to go to Ecuador and go to the U.S. for a better life, uh, yeah. Is that allowed or do you have to actually leave with the blessing of the Chinese government, government, the people that were apprehending those who the China government has said, thumbs up, <laughs> have have at it, go to America and we'll activate you later? Well, people can after COVID, people can leave China. I mean, they can say, look, we're just going on a trip. And mm -hmm. um, I think that's what's happening there. There's, you know, two separate groups, like the families that are coming across. I think that the Chinese government doesn't particularly want that. Um, but the young males, um, that certainly looks like a um, Chinese military project. So that's a different group entirely. And what we have, you know, what we are witnessing over courses of centuries is sort of these waves of Chinese migration, um, you know, first to Southeast Asia, then to the United States. We're seeing another start is starting to see another one of those. So there's a lot of different reasons for people to leave. Um, but the ones that we need to be especially concerned about are those packs of males, because they can be up to no good, especially if they're taking target practice as soon as they land here. And right. by the way, there's also indications that some of them are taking flying lessons. Oh, and those of us who remember 9-11 remember that the Saudi terrorists we're doing that before the 9-11 attacks. Yeah, you know, there used to be a time, Gordon, when I felt like my government was on it, right? Like that, I mean, maybe I'm thinking pre-9-11, but even post-9-11, I, I was naive enough to think that, you know, our government learned from what happened and the failures of 9-11 and that they're, they're, they're on it and they're protecting us because they don't want this to happen again. They don't want our, our government, our government doesn't want our citizens to be in danger in America, something we kind of took for granted until 9-11 because, you know, we're America and we're not connected to the rest of the world. We're surrounded by oceans. Mexico was our friendly neighbor. But something has changed. Like, I'm actually worried that I'm finding out about this, not because my government's saying, hey, we need to shut the border because Chinese want to come through. We're finding out about it because there's these independent journalists, you know, Brett Weinstein, Muckracker, um, you know, a few other 
brave YouTube um, souls who've decided to take this journey are going, there's some fishy stuff going on with the Chinese citizens in particular that are coming through here. What do you think our government is in control of this, understands what's happening? Do you feel safe? Because I think I saw a, a tweet that you wrote not long ago, correct me if I'm wrong, that you said that you believe we're going to be fighting on American soil at some point in the near future. I believe that we will be fighting on our soil for the first time since 18, the War of 1812, um, because um, these signs show that uh, foreign enemies are building that infrastructure to attack us. Just to give you an example, um, September 11th of last year, Biden had that uh, announced the agreement with Iran. Remember, they unfroze the $6 billion, exchanged prisoners. Part of that was that Biden granted clemency to five Iranian operatives. He allowed three of those operatives to stay in the United States. Now, this is at a time when um, the State Department's Protection Service is still providing protection for Trump-era uh, officials because they're worried about assassinations by Iranian operatives in the United States. To me, this is incomprehensible. Um, I just don't, I don't have an explanation for it. And that's why I believe that the most important Shia stronghold in the world today is the Oval Office. We know uh, Iranians... <laughs> We know yeah. Iranians are in the State Department, in the NSC, um, and that's the only explanation that I can come up with for what's going on today. Now, Iran is different than China, but remember, Iran is actually a China proxy because yeah. um, Iran would not be able to um, prosecute this war against Israel were it not for China's support. Well, what, you, what kind you, of support you, are you they? I saw this, that, that uh, Russia, China and Iran are going to do joint naval um, maneuvers coming up by the end of the year. So yeah, they're 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 tied together. They're hand in glove. But I want to go. I want to go to something else here too, Gordon, because um, I, I agree with Rachel. I would hope that my government is there to protect me and looking out for my best interests. And I have lost faith in that. And it sounds like you have as well. But uh, I want to ask you about what's the philosophy of the Chinese and how they view America? Yeah. Because we had the Chinese spy balloon with really no reaction from Joe Biden. He shot it down. Uh, over the uh, over the Atlantic Ocean after they had gotten all the uh, details they wanted. And it appears they were using U.S. cell towers to, to uplink their information back to homeland China. But the Chinese buying farmland in America, you mentioned the Reedley, California bio lab that they had right underneath our nose. It seems like... And, and secret police stations that we know that, that the Mike Chinese... That Mike Gallagher, congressman from Wisconsin, has brought up as well. It seems like... China feels like they can operate in the U.S. and abuse the U.S. with impunity, that, uh, that, that, that there'll be no response. And I think maybe the, the differential, and I want to ask you about this, is uh, Americans kind of still feel like they're, you know, Cold War-esque, you know, the, the, the sole superpower and American strength and deterrence from that strength. It, we're still viewed that way around the world. But if you look at the way China has engaged us, it seems like they view us, one, as a declining power or no power at all. Uh, they're, we're just here for their taking. Well, Xi Jinping has one of his favorite phrases is the East is rising and the West is declining. And he actually does believe that uh, China is going to dominate the world. And he talks about something called Tianxia, which is all under heaven. 
which is that basically he's resurrecting this idea that Chinese rulers not only have the mandate of heaven to rule Tianxia, but also are obligated to rule it. And, and this is not dominate. This is not hegemony. This is direct rule. In other words, he does not believe the United States should be considered a sovereign state. At most, we're a Chinese colony. Um, so that's his mindset. And yes, deterrence is breaking down. And uh, if we had about three hours, I'd go through all of it. <laughs> but um, I want to just mention the, the point that, that you talked about loss of faith of government. You mentioned the spy balloon. Well, first of all, the, the U.S. military knew about that spy balloon well before it got to U.S. soil. They could have mm. shot it down over Alaska or Canada, where there was no fear of uh, damage to people or property. Um, but they didn't. And that was a failure of the military and the failure of the Biden administration. But what is worse is the guy who was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff at the time, Mark Milley, because uh, just before he retired, he gave an interview to CBS News, which he said, look, um, we are highly confident that that balloon transmitted no information back to China. Well, we know subsequently that, uh, as you point out, it was transmitting a lot of information back to China. This was Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, lying to the American people. Milley had to know what that balloon did, because we know the intelligence that's been reported, for instance, uh, that uh, famous NBC News story, that this was actually transmitting stuff back to China. And, and they lied. This is just flat out lied to the American people. So, yes, we should have no faith. And it's no faith in just Biden. It's no faith in the senior officers in the Pentagon. Is it because they're bought off? I mean, we know that's one of the techniques that the Chinese use where they, you know, try to use economic leverage. It's, it's working, by the way, beautifully in Latin America, where they're gobbling up all kinds of infrastructure and 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 changing all kinds of rules in their economic benefit. Um, and I think it's going to be very dangerous down the road for us. But can you buy off General Milley like that? Um, do you think that these policies are coming or the, the, the lax reaction to what the Chinese are doing? Is it coming from Joe Biden, who perhaps is compromised um, because of what, you know, the dealings he and Hunter and his brother had with the Chinese? What do you think is happening? Are they compromised or are they stupid? Yeah. Um, or both. Um, <laughs> Scary combination. Uh, you know, we don't know what was in Millie's head. Um, we don't know what was in um, Biden's head. But there are some, certain things we know. So, for instance, March of last year, this spokesperson for Hunter Biden's legal team said, yes, the Chinese paid millions of dollars to the Biden family, but it was, quote, good faith seed funds. Um, first of all, there were no deals. Um, and nobody in a commercial setting would pay that amount of money um, without a firm legal commitment um, contract. So that is, in my book, um, an admission of corruption. Now, with Joe Biden himself, um, money must have played a part. That's the reason why we have bribery laws, because we worried about the effect of money. But also, Biden, remember um, Robert Gates, who was defense secretary for George W. Bush and, and Barack Obama. And Gates, in his 2014 memoir, memorably wrote that 
and this is almost a direct quote, that Joe Biden has been wrong on nearly every mm -hmm. foreign policy and national security matter of the past four decades. So, you know, Sean, I don't care whether he is corrupt or whether he is totally misguided or whatever. The point is, he's not defending us. He is not discharging his number one constitutional duty, which is to protect the American people from foreign enemies. It's as simple as that. And, and he's not. And you, you said, I, forget, I don't know the, the term you use, the Chinese term, but that they're going to rule everything under the sun. I, I thought it was just they want to rule Taiwan. But I guess with your comment, they want to rule all of us. And what um, what what concerns me is I think we're on a track to have that happen. We're the three of us and others are going to going to fight that. But if you look at the stupidity of of Joe Biden's administration, but also of, of Democrats, of, of corporate America and their partnership um, and all too willingness to sell their souls to China, selling out their own countrymen. Um, I think it's only a matter of time. If, if we continue on this path and don't radically change course, it's only a matter of time that China is going to be us. Look at the, I mean, the green policies um, and how we're undermining our, our ability to provide our own uh, energy sources from 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 gas and oil. Instead, we want to buy batteries and solar panels and windmills from China. All of this is incredibly stupid. And if we don't change course, I think very quickly, I think what you say is going to be true. They will rule over us because um, we are going to be inept and unable to defend ourselves. Yeah, you know, I should mention it's not just Biden and um, and communist Democrats. It's also, you know, you've got some Republicans. Um, yeah, no um, question. Free market Republicans um, yep. who um, I, I don't think they're communists. I, I'm sure they're not. But the point is that their uh, views, their votes support Communist Party positions because they are mm -hmm. not um, they're not in favor of things to defend ourselves because they say, oh, well, that that undermines the free market. This is just nuts in the context of what yeah. we're talking about. Yeah, those those Republicans are globalists. No, and, no, no, and like, Gordon, I was one of those Republicans. I I bowed to the altar of um of of free enterprise and free trade. Um, it, it made sense to me. And you were you were probably a little bit in that camp as well. And I think as we've seen the rise of China in unfair yeah. trade, a lot of Republicans had shifted have shifted gears and said, "Hold on a second, you can't have free trade without fair trade." Those two things don't exist with China. So we've changed course with the leadership of Donald Trump. But to your point, there are a lot of Republicans still seeing the threat from China and the unfair trade practices that still at all costs buy into free trade, even though it's destroying the American economy. Well, people like Mitch workforce. McConnell, who yeah. clearly has some compromised interests there. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about your views, Sean, two decades ago, that's something different than now, because now it is just unavoidable what China is doing and what China yes. is saying. Oh, and by the way, that word that you were searching for, it is spelled T-I-A-N-X-I-A. Tianxia means all under heaven. And, and, and it's, it's not just that. It's also, you know, you got to remember that there's an insecure regime in Beijing. It believes, and it's, it's nothing to what we say or do that, that gets China's regime upset. It's, it's an insecure regime in Beijing that is worried about the inspirational impact of our values and form of governance on the Chinese people. And, you know, I, during the Trump era, um, you know, Trump was one of the most popular people in China. 
We know oh, this really? from some from some surveys that they actually conducted, which, you know, they're not scientific surveys, but people liked the idea of an American leader speaking his mind. Um, and it yeah. wasn't that they necessarily liked what Trump said, but they liked the openness of our system. And that's what scares the bejesus out of the Communist Party, which means that the Communist Party in China believes that it will not be safe until the American Republic is destroyed. So, as I said, it's not anything we say or do. It's who we are. And we have to understand the nature of what is not a competition. Biden says, oh, you know, we compete with these guys. No, these guys are our enemies because that's the term they use for us. And that's the way they view us. So let, let me bring you back to the border before we let you go, because I, I want to get very clear, because we're seeing these images. Um, they're coming through YouTube. They're coming through a lot of podcasts. We're now starting to see it in, in the mainstream media uh, news coverage. If you are advising our national security, our homeland security, border patrol, our president, you have an understanding of the Chinese mindset. And you're also seeing these images of Chinese people coming over, a 50% increase, mostly military male-aged men, and they're not like the other economic refugees or the Chinese refugees that came before or the rich ones who are escaping. What is happening? Why are all these single male military-aged men coming across the border? What, what do you think the Chinese government is doing. They're creating that infrastructure to attack us, um, which means that what we have to do is to um, deport or jail um, these individuals um, because they are present a danger to us. And, you know, people will say, oh, that's racism. But we got to remember um, that in the Communist Party's top down system, no individual, no Chinese national, no Chinese um, company can um, disobey an order from the Communist Party. And this actually has been codified in the 2017 National Intelligence Law of China in Articles 7 and 14, which require every Chinese national, every Chinese company to commit acts of espionage if they receive a demand from the relevant authorities. So this is nothing to do with race. This has to do with the Chinese um, Communist Party has weaponized ethnicity. Do you think our government has, and that's a great point that you're making, that we, they have weaponized our own, you know, uh, diversity, equity, diversity and equity inclusion stuff. Do you think that our government has, you know, our, our government must, must be aware. Do you think they've arrested any of these guys? They're interrogating them, trying to get to the bottom. Or do you not feel confident that that's happening? It's not happening because, remember, um, we're being overwhelmed at our southern border. The numbers are staggering and we don't have um, law enforcement personnel to do this. It's really now up to us as American citizens. That lab in Reedley, California, was found by a building inspector who was on her way home, who noticed that there was a garden hose attached to a building that was supposed to be vacant. So what did she decide to do? She decided to take a look. This was not some federal government investigation. This was an ordinary American like you and me just seeing something and saying something. And that's what we're going to have to do to defend our country. Those images of Chinese migrants on the target range with AR-15s, those didn't come. We don't know about that because of the FBI or 
CIA or anything like that. That's because we got ordinary Americans who are starting to look. And oh, by the way, that balloon, that balloon was the government decided not to say anything about it. The military decided not to say anything about it. It was somebody in Montana who happened to look up and said, that looks strange. Yeah, what wow. is that? And just one other point on this. It's, it's one I forgot thing about that. to have, you know, Chinese military aged men coming across the border. We've talked about the potential threat that has if they were uh, to be activated by uh, the, the Communist Party. But half of the Chinese, Gordon, that are coming across our southern border uh, are being offered asylum. And asylum is a pathway to citizenship. So you could have massive numbers of, of Chinese migrants who are now U.S. citizens who are loyal to the Chinese Communist Party. And the dynamic of how you deal with um, someone who is a, a, a refugee versus someone who is a U.S. citizen is far different. And again, it goes to the stupidity of our government not seeing the risk and the threat. Uh, that, or even that the farmland that's getting bought. I mean, what are they doing with the farmland? Why do they want our farmland, Gordon? Well, in Oklahoma, I can tell you that um, the Chinese come in with suitcases of cash. Um, they are, according to some reports, basing human trafficking operations on farmland. They are patrolling their land with machine guns. And also in Oklahoma, they're putting fences around their property. Now, everybody in Oklahoma has a fence, but everybody has a fence to keep people out. The Chinese fences are obviously designed to keep people in. So, yeah, we need to start thinking about this because this presents a threat. And, and we're, we're seeing it with we know the illegal marijuana grows on um, Oklahoma and in other places. There was um, in November of last year, there was a uh, mass shooting on one of these Chinese owned farms for killed. I mean, this is this is gangland triad violence coming to the United States. We don't have to have that. Um, there are a lot of ways that we can stop this. And, and we just need a government that is determined to protect us. And one other point, um, China not only weaponizes its nationals, it also goes after ethnic Chinese who are U.S. citizens by threatening mm -hmm. them, by saying, we'll deal with your father or your brother back home in China. So, yeah, we, we've got to be really concerned about this. And, and we let Chinese diplomats threaten our, our American citizens and we don't do anything about it. So this is on us, guys. And, and, you know, Gordon, just one other point. Uh, Joe Biden's recently announced that he has a new working group with the Chinese government where they're going to create a task force to deal with the chemicals that come from China that are uh, used to make fentanyl. And, and again, if, if China wanted to, I have to imagine, this is my question for you. If China wants to shut off the flow of chemicals into Mexico or into the U.S. that make fentanyl, they could snap their fingers and there would be no more chemicals coming from China that's used to uh, uh, to manufacture fentanyl that's killing American citizens, destroying American families. They don't do that, right? right? They're purposely sending the drugs in, but Joe Biden is applauding himself for having a, 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 a working group, a task force, to deal with these drugs. Again, it's the stupidity of, of an administration that, does, that, that, that doesn't see the power of a communist party and how it controls its people and its businesses. I, but Gordon, can I, just, can I just add on to that? I know you say there's no difference between, it doesn't matter in the outcome whether it's stupidity or if they're compromised, but I, I have to disagree. I mean, you can be you can be stupid, but you can love your country and go, 
Well, that, I mean, you could be faced with the facts, but if you're, and, and somebody put it in front of you and you can make the right decision. But if you're compromised, even if you know what the right decision is, you can't do it. Well, yeah, yeah, there's a difference there. You're right. I mean, it's a difference of committing a crime and just being stupid. Uh, what I was worried about was the result. Um, yeah. And I was saying it's I, know, yeah. I, I, I don't know what the what's in Biden's mind, but he's not defending us, whether he's corrupt or whether he's a traitor. Um, but you're right. I mean, if he's a traitor, that there's different consequences to all of that. And to Sean, to your point. Yeah. China runs a near total surveillance state. A lot of these fentanyl producers are, in fact, state owned. Chinese diplomats support the fentanyl gangs. Chinese officials inspect every container that leaves China. And these fentanyl gangs, they launder their proceeds through the Chinese state banking system. So, yeah, China's behind it. Um, you know, Biden on November 15th made this big, oh, you know, the Chinese have decided to limit um, fentanyl's precursor sales. Well, Xi Jinping made that same promise in 2018 to the Trump administration, and the Chinese made that same promise to the Obama administration. But what really gets me upset about Biden is that November 16th, the day after Xi Jinping met Biden in San Francisco, John Kirby, NSC spokesperson, coordinator, gets in front of the American people and said that Xi Jinping told Joe Biden that he, Xi, did not want to see one more American die from fentanyl. Now, John Kirby has to know that that is a lie, that Xi Jinping wants to see every American die from fentanyl for the reasons we just talked about, the total yeah. surveillance state and all the rest of it. And to have our own government propagate Communist Party talking points to the American people, to me, is incomprehensible. Um, I think John Kirby has disgraced his uniform, and certainly he should no longer be permitted to be an SC spokesperson. This was wrong. And, and one other point. In China's tightly controlled public square, the topic of extermination of Americans is permitted. That tells us that, yeah, Kirby was wrong. They want every American to die. Are times bad in China right now? Should we? Oh, they're really awful, um, which is the reason why you had those family groups coming out. But um, the problem right now, it, it's a sort of a mindset. You know, we Americans have gone through recession. So we know what a recession is. We expect one every once in a while. In China, they had no concept of a downturn because they, they never had one. So what right now is they've got an economy which they said grow 5.2% last year. Maybe it grew 1.5 at most. Maybe it was negative two, as Newsweek reported just a couple hours ago. Whatever it is, Chinese people are suffering. And, mm -hmm. you know, they've got these homes. They're losing, you know, 70% of the wealth of the Chinese people is in real estate. These real estate apartments, they've lost like, you know, 25, 30% of their value in a year. And it's just sort of like their whole lives are falling apart. So, yeah. So, so this would have been a good time to sort of have a good strategy, because when you have this huge population that's un, 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 Absolutely. unhappy. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. a The Communist Party, I think the problem is Xi Jinping's a Maoist, so he doesn't think things are so bad. Um, but the Chinese people are really, really unhappy. And we know this because of these big protests that started October 2022. That's why they're leaving. You know, it's a it's a frightening problem that we have, not because we can't address it, but because we have leaders who are unwilling 
to address this rising threat and the American people are going to pay the consequences. As Rachel has said, Gordon, you are a national treasure. We appreciate all of your knowledge um, unpacking really what's going on in China and making sense of it uh, for us here. And we appreciate you joining us at the kitchen table. Uh, thank you for uh, thank you so much for um, providing the insight and wisdom for us. Well, thank you, Sean. And thank you, Rachel. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. Um, and sorry for getting angry. Uh, no, no, we're, this we're, is really, I'm more this angry. Really affects me. No, it affects all of us. It's, I, I, I'm so grateful that you're calling attention to it and, and that you have so much deep knowledge of what they're up to and, and that you're such a patriot. And we, and we just love having you on the show, Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. God bless. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Well, that was a very interesting conversation. Frightening, alarming. Um, by the way, if you want more from Gordon G. Chang, just go to Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. He posts a lot. He get, has a lot of great information. Um, I follow him and, and he's fantastic. But it's just every time we have him on, and it's not the first time we've had him on, we get scared. Because it's like we have people like Gordon Chang, Michael Pillsbury and others who know exactly what the Chinese are up to. But we have a government that's frankly bought off. Um, a corporate world that doesn't have any sense of patriotism um, to our country and want to be in bed with China and lobby our government to make sure that there are no consequences for the Chinese. And then we have a military situation um, where our commander in chief doesn't seem to care that there is a cadre of military age men. We think, you know, somewhere close to 25, 30,000 that have come over over the last year, um, which is, as you said, a 50 times increase of anything we've seen in the past. And I didn't know about these, you know, target practicing and and yeah. buying property in Oklahoma and secret labs we didn't know about, but it's all scary. You know, I, I, I first of all, on Twitter, on, on Gordon's uh, Twitter, not only do you see um, a perspective uh, that's really useful, but also he tells stories that the mainstream media um, doesn't really tell. So you get a broader perspective of of what's happening there. And here's, I, I think that in the, if I'm gonna be generous um, to those in the deep state, those in Biden's administration, those in the military, um, they see us as the inevitable world power forever. They're not recognizing the rising threat of China. And because it hasn't happened, they don't think it's going to happen, which means they probably haven't read history on how there's shifts in power that take place all the time. Um, and this idea, you mentioned the military, the fact that they're more concerned about a transition to green energies in the military than they are about having a military that's ready to defend America and American interests, but also their move for diversity, equity, and inclusion. I don't care what you are in the military. I want the best and the brightest generals. There weren't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't go to the academies and learn about you know, all these uh, social differentials on, on race and sex and sexual preference. They didn't learn about that. They learned about um, military strategy. Military learned- history. That's Follow the Roman Empire. At this point, I think we ought to we ought to be looking because, and I say that I don't say that facetiously. I say that for real. I started, you know, Dick Durbin said we ought to make a rule, so a law. We ought to start considering a law where we can allow people who've come over here illegally to join the military because we have a recruitment problem. And I'm like, if you look at history, there are you know 
multiple reasons for the fall of the Roman Empire, but one of them is clearly they started to hire these mercenaries, these conscripts who were not loyal to the empire. They were just paid. And when things went bad, they actually turned on the Roman Empire, were part of the yeah. looting and the and 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 the pillaging um, at the end, at the very end. So, I mean, th- there's some scary stuff going on. But, Sean, you look at what the administration's doing in Texas, for example. Um, Texas is trying to keep illegal immigrants out, putting up wire. And the commander in chief is fighting to tear down those barriers. So not only is he not willing to put federal dollars to protecting us, but he's fighting Texas for trying to do the job that the, mili- that the federal government's not doing. Hearing what Gordon Chang's saying, I don't understand why we don't have the military there, let right. alone why our federal government's suing the national or, you know, Texas for putting the National Guard there. So after I hear Gordon, it makes me feel two things. I, I'm angry and I feel helpless. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But he made a really powerful point. He said, you know, on the read the California bio lab, this was uh, a, uh, I think she was a county worker going home from work. She's and she citizen. truly noticed the garden hose coming out of a building that she thought was empty. And she went to investigate. That was not the federal government coming in and finding a, uh, an illegal bio lab, you know, in California. It was a citizen. It was citizens who saw these Chinese that were here for three weeks shooting ARs. Uh, I think he said up in Idaho, it was a citizen who broke the news to us about the Chinese spy balloon where the military wanted to keep it secret. All of us have a role. Um, what's the, what do they say in the airport to so say something, see so something, see something, say, say something. something to be vigilant, but maybe not the way the government's telling us to be vigilant, understanding the threats that are around us and, and being aware and making sure. We're I, talking I'm sorry, about- Sean, that, the guy in Montana saw something. He said something. And the president of the United States still he, let... He did nothing. <laughs> he did nothing. The president of the United States yeah. knew that that balloon was there, that there had been other balloons, and allowed that balloon to go across. And how did they not know it, that that they were transmitting information using our own Wi-Fi back to China? They, Of course they knew that. And then, as he said, General Milley lied about it. Remember, General Milley is the same person who when Donald Trump was in office, he told, General Milley told the, the Chinese, you know, Trump is so volatile, don't worry. If he feels like doing something towards you guys, I'll give you the heads up. I mean- We won't follow your orders, yeah, so- That's crazy. Uh, and, and again, you make a good point about Joe Biden, but Joe Biden took on a lot of political water uh, when, when that Chinese spy balloon flew over the country and uh, he didn't shoot it down. So. Those of us who care, sharing information, if we come across it, is is important because knowledge is power yeah. and knowing what's happening is, is critical. So, uh, listen, uh, again, thanks to Gordon Chang for joining us on the show. Thank you for joining us at the kitchen table. We appreciate uh, you joining the conversation. We always love it. And yeah, don't Gordon's feel helpless. Great. You're right, Sean. Don't feel helpless. Knowledge is, is the first step. Information is power. Getting the information, holding you know, your congressman accountable, letting them know that maybe they don't know. Um, and also keeping that information as you make your decision in, in the upcoming elections. No doubt about that. Thank you. I don't want to depress our audience. Thank you. I, see, I try to be a little uplifting there, Rachel. It's hard to be uplifting when I, you have well, Rachel Campbell, Steffi, and Gordon Chang I, I together. Know, but you have to, you have to go. There, there is points no, of action if, I know. if it comes a, right, across honey. your eyeballs. 
Um, listen, if you like a podcast, you can rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. You subscribe and you will get a notice every time we drop, which is Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Uh, this Friday, if you're uh, listening to this on Wednesday, Friday, we're going to do our uh, our little special on Valentine's Day. Yes, we are. We'll have to make up before then. <laughs> Until next time, have a good one. Bye, everybody. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.